We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The MPW Digital Podcast Network proudly presents McCrady and Siski, powered by Rain Total Body Fuel. Join longtime SEC beat writer Neil McCrady and former South Alabama assistant, Alabama staffer, and Ole Miss recruiting coordinator Tyler Siski for an hour of football and fun. Listen and enjoy as they talk ball, the national landscape, and much, much more. Now, here's your host in the Clark Ford Studios, Neil McCrady. Welcome into another edition of McCrady and Siski, powered by Rain Total Body Fuel. Talk by the logo on the other side. Talk by the logo on the other side. Brought to you by Rain Total Body Fuel. I'm Neil McCrady. That's Tyler Siski. Dan Werner joins us, the former Ole Miss, South Carolina, Auburn, Alabama, Clemson, Louisiana Tech. Not Clemson. Not Clemson, South Carolina. <laughs> so testing you. James Madison. UNLV. We'll talk about a lot of that stuff with uh, with Dan here in a minute. We're in uh, Las Vegas. Yeah, we are. We are. There you go. <laughs> we'll uh, we're headed to the Las Vegas Bowl in a little bit. Florida and Oregon State. Siski's got money on the Gators. I think Cole and I are about to go put some money on the Beavers just to make this fun. But uh, thanks for joining us. We'll be with you. Not super long because we got a little bit of a late start. Had a little bit of a technical issue, but our boy Cole worked it out, and here we are. Dan, how are you? Awesome. Appreciate you being here with us. Thanks for having me. Uh, first, I want to say that it was an interesting day yesterday flying with uh, Siski. We landed in Detroit. Plainful. Siski feels like he has to applaud the pilot for making it. He's the one guy going, thank you. It was bizarre. And then he did it again in Vegas when we landed here. People looked at him funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And if you ever want to know if, if you like football as much as Siski does, the answer is no, you don't. Siski gets in the plane in Detroit's four-hour flight. He turns – because I could see him from where I was sitting in the back. He turns on Incarnate Word and who do they play, North Dakota State? North Dakota State, Incarnate Word, he, half. he didn't miss a play. I'm back there watching Food Network, flipping to uh, Ocean's Eleven, watching different things, and Siski locked into Incarnate Word and North Dakota State. It's amazing what happens when you bet on somebody. <laughs> well, that's true. If you're betting on incarnate word, you might have an issue. You know, we missed the critical part of this episode. You know that, Neil? We, we just got started. We haven't missed anything. <laughs> oh, we did miss that. That was a very poor attempt by this can. 
So we're in Vegas. So you're in Vegas. You this get started. This is what we do in Vegas. You get started a little early. Uh, we are employing game changer patches this morning. Okay. That's the nighttime one, I thought. Oh, this is the warm up. That's the warm up. Oh, okay. The warm up patch is used before or while you drink. The app, the uh, the uh, recovery patch, the recovery patch is used after you've been drinking. Helps you recover while you sleep. I mean, you don't have to, but you know, just to clean your skin. If your skin's dirty, it, then you're good. I mean, I can't help if you're going to be sanitary or not. You just need one of those little yellow. Yeah, you just need one at a time. If you plan on drinking more, should you put two on? No. I mean, <laughs> I guess you could, but you don't need to. It would be it would be uh, superfluous. All right, game Good word. Thank superfluous. you. Superfluous. Thank you. There you go. That's where I went. That's where a lot of people do it. A lot of people put it on the wrist. I right, put mine on my upper arm. If I'm at the beach, I'll put it like upper thigh. Some people put it on their foot. Yeah, so. All right, we're rolling. Yeah, we're rolling. Uh, we're I got all my links sent out. We got the tweets out. We're good to go. I sent you a link so you can send it to your people. Awesome. So first, uh, shout out to our friend uh, John Summerall at Troy. They won the uh, Cure Bowl yesterday. A really good game against UTSA. Gets 12 wins in year one. How about that? That's impressive. Troy. How about that? That's impressive. Did you get a chance to see that yesterday? I watched a little bit in between shows and gambling. <laughs> Did you win anything? I did win a little bit. I'm sure I'll give it back today. Okay. What did we play yesterday? Blackjack. Blackjack? Yeah. You know, one thing in – A little closer to the mic. Yeah. One thing in the uh, one thing in Vegas is the minimums at the table are a little higher than back, back east. So, I, yesterday morning I walked in and was ready to play, and the, the minimum was $50. $50 a hand to play blackjack. When I first started playing, it was $5 a hand. You know, back then I didn't have any money. I, I still don't have any money, but I definitely don't have. You play for an hour, you can lose a lot of money at fifty dollars a hand. Uh, pretty quick, fast. So I I, I waited till it went to twenty five, which was a win for me. But then I actually got hot and won a bunch of money. If I'd have played fifty, it would have doubled. Do the math. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. <laughs> so but I'm, if I'd have played fifty, I would have lost, and now I'd be in a bad mood. So I'm, I'm scared. To, fate right now i have technically not lost a, a bet here in vegas yet not a single wager so we got into tennessee and placed some wagers on my trojans yesterday they win we landed detroit which is also the sport oh your here. trojans yeah i'm a, I'm a graduate that's right i, mean, I forgot about that I mean, <laughs> I mean can i not say that if i'm a graduate is that, i'm good with that i mean <laughs> what else am i i I remember you as an Auburn Tiger. Oh, see, you're going to get everybody pissed off? Yeah. Here we go. I got to pay, so I had them all pissed off. War Eagle. War Eagle. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> hey, you read Auburn before, too. so Very short. Very short. So he's also part of the cult. I covered Auburn no, for six no, years. No I, cult. You know, I just I, I used the word cult during some of the Kiffin thing, and it's gotten people a little upset. Neil, Neil's got some enemies in, on the plane. Mm-hmm. What about, so do you, do you know the fight song at Auburn? Do you know how? No. No. All right. Um, so, uh, anyway, I get I get to Detroit, and I, I was like, hey, this is going to be a long-ass flight. So, I decided to, to go all in and press them. Incarnate Word plus seven and a half. That's what I'm saying. That's an issue. That's an issue. Yeah. And so, I, uh, it hit. 
And so I was very excited on the plane. Neil was trying to figure out what the hell I was. I mean, like I was fist pumping. Yeah. On the, and, the, and people were looking like I'm crazy because I'm watching the FCS game. I mean, I knew the deal. I, I just I, everybody else on that plane was like this guy. And then when you applauded when we landed, they just they just figured you were excited that we were making it state to state to state. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> go down this morning. I went down to go get us some beverages for the pregame here, and uh, I was like. When place to wager, so I got I got the Vikings. Let's see what I got here. Got my ticket. <laughs> I got the Vikings. Um, did you go to the sports book here in the Bellagio? I did. It's right outside the room. Yeah, I saw it. Um, so they have the kiosk here. That's my car insurance. Nobody wants that. By the way, this place is impressive as hell. It really is. It's really nice. It's the nicest hotel gym I've ever been to in my life. <laughs> it was fantastic. I haven't. I'm staying at the Aria. I haven't visited the gym though. You haven't been. I've been to many bars. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have, you don't know what that looks like. No. Looks like over there. No. I saw a sign for it. I didn't take that right though. So I got one down. I got the Vikings minus three and a half. Okay. Vikings minus three and a half. So I'm pressing fate here against who, the Colts. Okay. I was gonna say you have to help me on who plays who tonight. Here in about 40 minutes. All right. It's 10 o'clock out. Today? Yeah. Yeah. There's three NFL games today, right? Yeah. Three games today. So you got the Colts and the Vikings. You got the Browns and the Ravens. And tonight's a good game. Or this afternoon here. Bills, Dolphins. Bills. Yeah. That game's at Orchard Park. They're expecting like temperatures in the low twenties and three to seven inches of snow. Get you some of that. Tua Tua so, has never won a game as a quarterback in temperatures under thirty degrees. Dan, Might want to go with Tua. All right, you're, all right, so I want to tell the fans here. So Dan, uh, to me, Dan may be the best quarterback guy out there. Best, definitely the best one I've ever worked with. Um, so. I appreciate that. Um, so, question, because this bothers the shit out of me. Does, does weird stats like that matter to you as a coach? No. <laughs> I mean, soon, especially I'm not a gambler, but I do know gamblers. And when you say, okay, we're, uh, you know, he hasn't won so many games in whenever, odds are he's going to sooner or later. Now, I'm not saying they're going to do it today, but sooner or later he's going to win. Yeah. So, you're saying and, take the Dolphins money line I'm not saying anything about gambling. So one thing I know is nobody. Here's my my gambling story. First of all, as a as a college coach, the word you could buy a player and maybe still keep coaching, but if you gamble and get caught, you're done. 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 So so I've never never gambled once, even like you know five dollars on whoever. Well, once I retired, I I was actually in between jobs, so I was not coaching. And my wife said, well, hey, there's a couple games on today. You should bet on them because you know more about football than most people. You, you know, you can. I said, no, that's not how it works. Yeah. I said, you might as well flip a coin, and you got a better chance of, than if you think you're smart enough to beat the bookies. She said, okay, well, do it, big boy. So there was two games on. It was the championship games. I won't tell you who was playing or anything. So I flipped the coin four times, had the, the teams, the two teams, and the two unders overs. Went four and up. Four and oh. <laughs> so, I, and just laughing, I had called my brother because my brother does gamble, and he's the one who put the bets in. Well, then, for the Super Bowl, the two teams played each other. Uh, I told him, because I'm pretty sure my brother booked my bet, because he's thinking Dan hasn't bet in 40 years. He doesn't know what he's doing, so he probably booked it. He didn't tell me that, but pretty sure he did. So, anyway, I told him, by the way, I flipped the coin to go four and oh. He said, no, you didn't. I said, all right, well, I'm going to do the same thing. Did it for the Super Bowl. I'm pretty sure he booked it again. It happened to be 
the Patriots against the Falcons. Remember that game where the Patriots? So I had the Patriots and the over. Again, just flipping the coin. Uh, at halftime, he said, well, so much for that flipping the coin <laughs> stuff, huh? Well, they came back, won, went into overtime to cover the over, too. So I went 6-0 and oh by flipping a, a coin. What kind of coin? <laughs> Tyler's like, I got to find a coin. Yeah. That coin is long gone because now that I'm allowed to gamble, it's not happening now. All right, so you, your first full-time job was here at UNLV. Is that correct? Yes, it was. Now, once you tell the fans that what that was what year? 1990? 1990. All right, so how much money did you make as a full-time position coach in FBS in 1990? I made $18,000 a year. <laughs> so let's do the math on that. That's 1500 a month before taxes. In Vegas. So I brought, back, I brought home about $1,200 a month. I lived at a, a place that nobody would ever go to now, right, right across the street here. Uh, and that cost, I think it was $500 a month for, for rent. So, so I had 700 to party and gamble and have fun. Did you gamble a lot while you were here? No, God, I didn't have any money. <laughs> Did you go to the, uh, the Clark Griswold Casino, pick a hand? <laughs> That's exactly where you would go. And you would find the place where they had like dollar blackjack tables, which now is unheard of, of course. Right. Uh, and you try to find a, a place where you could drink for cheap yeah. and still gamble for, for not too much. And it was, it was hard work. Of course, we work so much, you know, coaching. You, it's not like you have a whole lot of time anyway. So you didn't. You didn't, like, buy a uh, mansion on the beach off that $18,000 a year? So. Uh, I'd have to keep on working for a long time to get that. <laughs> what do you think? You think you could how, – how would you – seriously, what do you – I mean, because you – what do you do uh, bill-wise, grocery-wise, and decide to party and gamble? Like, what was your – how much did you – did you? I know you had to set aside some for the gambling, right? Yeah, but like I said, it wasn't very much. And you sort of had – you'd say, okay, we'll play for $20. Once you lose twenty, you're done. Yeah, you got to move on, head back to the I'm not, to my nice apartment. Yeah, like if people think I'm joking. My first job ever was at Northwestern State. Okay, they paid me six thousand dollars a year. I was coaching tackles and tight ends, <laughs> but I only got paid for ten months. Right. All right, but I was also a G. I was considered a GA, but they gave me six thousand in stipend, no scholarship. Okay, so you had no scholarship, but to get the job, you had to be in in grad school, right? So I had to pay out-of-state tuition as well. They didn't even cover that. Really? My tuition bill was $8,846. So you were basically so paying $2,300 to, to work. I paid $2,800 a year to be the tackles and tight ends coach. Oh, and by the way, you know what else I had to do? I had to teach two classes. I've actually taught college classes. Oh, my God. Did they give you a meal or anything? No. No, that's the whole thing. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough you one. You participated in the educating of young people? Yeah. Give that did. some thought. Whew. Hey, how about, so I had a health and wellness, I think it was health and life, health and wellness class, right? Have you checked on those people since? <laughs> They're great. We, we don't want to. We don't want to. They're stuck. <laughs> They're all gone. <laughs> the, so, the Louisiana State Prison. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, right. So I will never forget this. So, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a kid. I'm 20, this was 2001. So I'm what, 23, 24 years old? You're young. I'm young. And <laughs> I was old in 2001. <laughs> yeah. So I go, we had uh, LSU is playing, LSU is playing uh, Northwestern State in baseball in spring when I'm teaching this class. And so I decided to take them to the stadium and we were going to do like a uh, you know, field trip. Field trip to the stadium and we we're going to go. <laughs> They're not in kindergarten. Yeah. 
And so I'm taking roll for my class, and I hear a, and I look over, one of my students is cracking a freaking beer. Like, and I'm like, man, am I going to get fired over this? I'm sitting here, I, I'm like, because there's people everywhere. I'm like, I, I thought that was going to be the end of my coaching career because I had a student in my class drinking beer. It was Louisiana. Did, we have a different culture did, there. Did he get an A? It was a sheet. <laughs> well, she got A+. Plus. A+. Plus. <laughs> a+. Plus. So, Dan, you've coached literally all over the country. You've coached in every pretty much major league. When you when you got out, it was pre-NIL, pre-transfer portal, all of that stuff. When you look at it from the distance that you can look at it from now, knowing what it's like on the inside yet not being in the inside anymore, how different is college football today than it was just a handful of years ago when you were at South Carolina? Yeah. Uh I'll tell you this. So I retired after the 2019 season. So the next year, obviously, was COVID year. And and I, I believe that's right when the transfer portal stuff started happening. Well, the that, portal started in 18, but the immediate eligibility started. That's what's yeah. Yeah. So all my buddies that I talk to, which I talk to so many every day. Of course. All they talk about is, Dan, it was perfect timing. Because the COVID year was terrible for obvious reasons. And then the – Transfer portal stuff got crazy, and now the NIL, and everybody is so envious that that's the time I decided to call it quits. And I just can't imagine having to deal with the stuff. I tell people, so I'm coaching my quarterbacks, and you know, in a quarterback room, there's three or four guys that you've recruited. You know their families, you know them so well, and you know you're grooming them. When the starter leaves, this guy's going to move in. Well, now the guy that's supposed to move in next year may decide, you know what, I'm out. Uh, I, I got to go because so I'm going to be the backup. So you're constantly having to recruit that kid. Now. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and it stops you, that prevents some of the development, I would think. No right? doubt. And even the thing that I see is even the guy that may be the starter, you know, he's getting somebody in his ear, hey, you know, if you had better receivers or better O-line or a better quarterback coach, you know, even though you were the starter, we can go over here and, and make more money, you know, throw for more yards or whatever. So your starter may leave. It's just it's crazy what's going on right or now. Or you, your starter could just be having a really good season under your tutelage, and, and he's putting up numbers. And like you said, someone gets in touch with Go the family. Because I always tell I always, we, uh, Tyler and I always talk about the you have the transfer portal. Yeah. But before the transfer portal, you have the tampering portal. And everybody's tampering. You're tampering. They're tampering. Your kids are getting tampered with. You're tampering with other kids indirectly, whatever the case may be, right? right? So your quarterback's kicking ass, and he's making fifty grand in pay for play. I refuse to call it NIL. Pay for play <laughs> at your at your place, and now school X needs a quarterback next year, right? And they go, hey, uh, let him let him know we'll pay him five times that. Yeah. Well, if someone comes to you when you were the assistant at UNLV and says, hey, Dan, we'll hire you to come to wherever, and we'll pay you five times what you're making, well, you're out. Of course. And so you can't fault the kid no. when the people around the kid go, well, so you're making 50, they're going to pay you 250, let's go. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, yeah, you're in your room and the backup's thinking about leaving because he's not playing and the starter's thinking about leaving because someone's going to pay him more money. It, it's, and I'm pro-kid in this deal, but. 100% I am. Yet that being said, when, when fans say, I'm tired of the coaches bitching about this, it's you don't understand what they're saying. What they're saying is they've gone from, this was already a pretty demanding job from an hour standpoint to now you're never off ever. ever. 
Well, the whole problem is the NCAA. I'm going to say that right now. They, I'm going to get up and walk off on that one. I'm done coaching, so I can go ahead and say it. The, the fact that they go from zero to 100 in one year, have no plan. It's just we don't want to get sued. Let's go ahead and you know, let them do whatever we have to do. It's open game now. It's maniacal what's going on. What do you attribute and that to? Is that just them taking their toys and and, and they didn't want to get house? sued? I, and I don't I don't know. I mean, I'm just right, talking. Right, but sure. they didn't want to get sued, and that's how it's happened in, in NCAA with every rule that they ever. They always are ready, fire, aim. That's the that's the plan by the NCAA. You know, they get a little issue. Let's fire, and then all of a sudden we realize, oh, well, that wasn't a good rule. So they have to tweak it after the first year or whatever the small ones. Obviously, there's a huge one that they're going to have to figure out. Because there's something wrong right now with with what's going on, they're going to have to fix it. Because you know that NFL has free agency and everything, but at least you can go and you sign a contract. You got to be there for a while. Now it's every year you can just leave and take a bunch of money and move somewhere else. And they say, well, you can't tamper. That's the biggest joke. Come on. I mean, come on. I mean, I talked to guys. That, oh, I talked to <laughs> I talked to so and so's dad, and you know he's ready to transfer. I thought you weren't allowed to do it. Yeah, but we do it. Of course you do it. I mean, you have I mean, to do it because it's happening on it's your. It's crazy. happening to your roster. Yeah, and so you have to be. I mean, it's, it's easy to do it, right? I mean, you call the old high school coach, and you can do it without even doing it. You can call the high school coach and say, "Hey, uh, you're not even supposed to do that." I know. Supposedly, but you can call the high school coach and say, "Hey, I, I know you. Hey, tell me about the kids you got on your team this year, right?" Wink, wink. And he tells you about little Johnny and little Steve and all that stuff. And you're like, hey, remember that uh, Remember that, that Smith kid you had a couple years ago? <laughs> the five-star yeah, that yeah, you might Sm- remember him. The one he went over there to – he went to Texas A&M? <laughs> yeah. How's his mama and them? <laughs> and then next thing you know, he goes, well, you know, he's not particularly happy. Well, just let him know if you, if you talk to him, we'd have a spot for him here at State U. Yeah. That's 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 tampering. Yet no one's and supposedly that's not going to do anything to you for but that. But that is Ill- just doing that. Supposedly is illegal. But they're not going to bite into I'm, that. Cause no. The most disingenuous thing about the whole deal, right, is the best thing the NCAA is supposed to be for the kid, right? I mean, everything they do is for the kid. The best thing for the kid. That's the most untrue statement ever I've ever heard in my life. All right. And I agree. That's what they say. But that that's my issue with the NCAA. Ela- elaborate. The fact that they that's all they talk about is it's all for the student athlete. <laughs> and I say student athlete with air quotes. <laughs> that all they care about is what makes them look good and how they make money. Those are the two things they care about. If it's, you know, they put in back in the day, they, you know, had whatever you had to pass so many classes or what. It was all so they acted like it's the student athlete, but it was to make them look good. They want the best player on the field. They want the best product on the field. And they want to make the most money. So if you look at every rule in the history of the NCAA, it's all about what makes them money, what makes them look good. And that's the most disingenuous thing about the portal, right? Is the best thing for the kid is to get in, is to have a place to go before you get in the portal. Getting in the portal, and and I've talked about this until I'm blue in the face. Every year it's been about, roughly it's been two-thirds, but it's been between 66 and 70% of the kids that are left in the portal. It's going to be more this year because if you don't have film right now, they're not taking you. Now, you may have to go down a level, but if you don't have film and you haven't played where you're at, they're not going to take you because you can't miss him more. Because if you take a kid out of the portal now, he's, he's yours. you got to stay. you got to stay with him. Yeah. Hey, i got a question out of the chat for you, Dan. I thought it was a really interesting question. Uh, GJG23, all right, he's a big Falcons fan, by the way. 
Um, he said, would Dan get into the business if you were starting out right now? <laughs> I mean, it, I was always a coach, so if I was young, yeah, I'd, I'd get in. But I'm not getting in at 63 years old. <laughs> <laughs> what do you tell some of the younger guys in the business who, and, and Tyler and I have talked about this, there's a bunch of them who, this is what they want to do, this is what they're good at, and yet they're really, there's some really frustrated people in the field because there's, there is no family time at all. There is no break because you always had recruiting time, right. right? There was a recruiting window. You went out on the road. You evaluated. You brought kids in for visits. You did all that stuff. You had junior days. But let's be real. A junior day was over at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, yeah. right? And now you spend so much of your time recruiting your own roster. You're never really – you just never get off. The portal, like National Signing Day is Wednesday. Right. But I refer to it sort of like a highway. You're on this highway with all these people on it. The only people that are getting off the, at the exit ramp on the 21st are the high school kids. The portal kids still go, and you have to keep recruiting those kids until the end of January. Like we've talked about Ole Miss, yeah. for example – Ole Miss classes start the fall, the spring semester starts like January the twenty first, second, something like that. Right. Drop add date, the last day to add a class. So that's technically your deadline, right? Yeah. Is like February the second. So a kid could enroll at Ole Miss, and I'm sure there's lots of schools that are in this exact same spot. On February the first, get into his classes and be a full-time student and therefore eligible to be on scholarship and be part of the program. So that kid could take the whole month of January to decide where he's going to go. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Ole Miss is actually in a advantageous spot when it comes to the portal. But you're using a four-syllable word. Like I'm proud of you, sure. man. Hey, I've, I've noticed a couple. <laughs> it's impressive. Hey, you know what's Troy, Troy University. <laughs> University, Trojan. yeah. Trojan. Well, I'm surprised I didn't say Troy State, but you know, my brother, he, he's been with me in my darkest hours. So he's, he's seen the real system. Um, but the the thing that Ole Miss is probably in an advantage more than any, anywhere else I can think of is when they start so late. You're going to have a lot of schools that are starting when we get back, you know, January 2nd, 3rd, 4th. Oh, yeah. They're starting that week. So their drop date is going to be the 10th. Yeah. Ole Miss almost has two a, a two-week advantage to basically see who's left if they need to go get another guy. And not all schools start that late. That was the latest start I've ever been. But even then, the portal doesn't stop. You have the spring portal. Guys are going to get in the portal. Yeah, you, so you, the tampering <laughs> portal starts back like February the 1st. You tamper through the end of April, through the end of spring and stuff. Guy goes to uh, – new coaching staff comes into X and the, the kid goes, I don't, I'm not going to play here. I don't like it or I don't like that coach. I don't like the new coach. I'm out. So you get then you get another window in the transfer portal. Yeah, I, I mean, mind. I mean, it just doesn't stop. I don't mind saying on here. I'm not going to say the kid's name because I'm not going to out him. But there's a kid at Ole Miss that called me, um, that's going in the portal. That may already be in the portal. I told him to go back and go if he and, and talk to Lane and you know communicate with him and, and they have. But he's six hours short of graduating. Six. I was like, dude, go back and graduate. And if you still want to transfer. Go as a grad transfer in the spring, that 15-day window. Yeah, get, your, get your degree. Get your degree. Right, of course. Because, look, and here's the truth. How many of these guys in the portal, and Dan and I was going to laugh because we've talked about this before, there's a reason your ass is in the portal, okay? Bryce Young's aren't coming out of the portal. 
very rarely are they as a really, really good player. I mean, I'm talking about an elite player. Right. The there, there are exceptions to everything, but sure. It does happen, though. That's what's crazy, yeah, but happen, I agree. But, like, yeah. I'd say, what do you say, 95% of the yeah. players aren't that guy. Get your fucking education, please. That's what you're here for. Don't don't reset your clock and have 40 hours to That's graduate. That's a big number, 95%. There's a bunch of impactful guys. If yeah, you no, look no, around I, the league. Well, you, I, I, well, that's what I'm saying. There's 1,500 kids in there. Well, there's no question about that. You know, you know right. I mean? Oh, yeah, I mean, I, in, in principle, I agree with yeah. you. The problem is there are enough dudes in the portal who can be impactful that as a coach, you have to spend all your time in it. But here's – I agree with that. But here's my thing is, as back when I was coaching, you had to start – well, back in the old days, you, you start recruiting a guy in spring of his junior year. You didn't even know who good players were. Right. In 2000, you didn't know who a good player was until – his junior year, that spring you'd go to the school and they'd say, hey, you know, Tim Tebow, he's a great player. Let's recruit him. That's, that's when I first heard about Tim Tebow. Well, now it's when they're a freshman or sometimes eighth grade. They come to your camp and you've got to recruit them for four years. Whereas the, the portal, you recruit them for two weeks. The guy gets in the portal, bam, you get on him, and in two weeks he's at your school. Now, so, sometimes it's more than that, but – and I'm just looking from an outsider. That seems a lot easier than having to deal with a guy for four years and, you know, text him and, you know, whatever the rules were at the time, which they always change. But, you know, for a long time you couldn't text or do anything. You'd have to go to a school, talk to the coach. The kid would walk in, say, hey, coach. And, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I flew into Chicago to see this quarterback. I won't tell you who it was. Well, you can't tell Because you weren't – I'm just not going to say, but you, you weren't allowed to talk to him. So I would go fly, fly in. It was about a 40 minute drive from O'Hare to his school, sit down, talk to the coach for 20 minutes. The kid would walk in. I'd say, Hey, you know, I'm not really allowed to talk to you because you're an underclassman, but I want you to see how important you are to us because I'm here. He'd 30 seconds. He'd leave. Then I'd go get my rent a car, go back to the airport and fly out. Thousands of dollars wasted to to go sit there and like have a thirty second conversation. Yeah, Yeah. that you had to be that you had to spend half of it going. Hey, we we didn't talk again. NCAA, great great rules, Uh, unbelievable. Hey, this episode brought to you by the Biden administration. (laughs) So. Oh, now we're getting politics. No, no, it's our it's our running joke. Whenever we if somebody's monitoring our show. Please get your boost. Please get your boosters and wear your mask. Yeah, you're good to go. How do you think this is going to change the product on the field over time? Because, like, like you were talking about back when you were at Miami, when you were at Ole Miss, uh, when you were at South Carolina, Louisiana Tech, all those places, you were with the kid for years. You knew his family. you had years to develop and then there was, you know, there's a progress right. typically you don't have as much of that. Now, now everything is about is less about program and more about team with the exception of maybe, I don't know, six, seven, eight programs in the country. I mean, yeah. you can literally list the schools that don't fall into that category. How does that change the product on the field? How does that change the, the job of, of a coach today? I'm sure it will a little bit. But you look at the NFL. I mean, those guys, free agents, you know, they come in. I mean, you saw what happened with Baker Mayfield. He couldn't complete a pass uh, for whoever he was playing for. Rams. Oh, the 
Panthers. 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 Yeah. And then he goes in and leads the Rams down the field. It's crazy that that happens. Yeah. So, but I agree for sure. I would love to have a kid for two or three years to learn and know the system, and then he plays his last two. But it's just not going to happen anymore. And if you're a great player, I mean, Chad Kelly came in. I feel like if I said, hey, we're running a whole new offense this week, let's go. He just said, let's go, coach. And he'd have let us down the field and scored. That's, he was that type of player. All right. I want to uh, talk about this. Uh, one of the most fascinating things about Dan to me, and this is me being a football junkie, Dan got the coach arguably the greatest college football team to ever exist. I would argue. You would argue? You don't think they are? No, I think it is. Yeah, I would agree. 2001. 2001 Miami Hurricanes. And, I, and I've asked him 10,000 stories about this. So, because uh, Delta Rev 22 probably knows you because it sounds, I think he's got a North Delta thing going on here. <laughs> so, uh, but basically, what was it like being the coordinator and, and being able to coach those guys? The greatest team maybe ever existed. That was Willis McGahee and. Oh, he down. was a backup. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, go down, go down, tell, tell the people, yeah. the, the guys that don't know. Well, here's the most impressive thing is that the tailbacks were. Uh, Clinton Portis was first team. Willis McGahee was second team. Frank Gore was third team. <laughs> Frank Gore was Na- Najee Davenport was a – started in the NFL as a tailback. He was he was fourth team, so we moved him to fullback. <laughs> That's what we had going on. And then, I mean, you talk about Jeremy Shockey. Uh, I mean, Ken Dorsey was our quarterback, who now, by the way, is the offensive coordinator – Bills. For the Bills, he'll be playing today, so I'll be watching I that game. I see he has your temperament in the box. He got a little bit crazy, and that that just shows you the competitor he is. And he's the most soft-spoken, and he's the smartest person I've ever met in my life. Ken Dorsey is the smartest person I've ever met in my life. And to see him go crazy, of course, everybody starts sending me that video of him. He's smarter than Grant. Grant. Hurd. <laughs> Grant Hurd's pretty intelligent, but. I'm just teasing. We love him. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But what, what was it? I mean, did you just... Was it and like by the way, I, I wasn't the coordinator. Uh, I, I was a quarterback coach. Uh, but it... Yeah, it was pretty easy. You call a play and it worked. Right, right? Yeah, if, if you call to play, normally you're up in the box and you say, okay, I'm calling this play. And, you know, I've been at bad teams where you call it and you're looking at the defense like, oh, man, this is a perfect defense. It's exactly why I called this play. And a guy misses a block or bad throw or receiver drops a ball or whatever. With them, it was the opposite. Oh, no, we need to check out of this. And we wouldn't check out of it. And it's a terrible defense for that play. And – you know, Clint Portis or Gore or whoever <laughs> breaks a tackle and scores a touchdown. <laughs> Good call, you know. Hey, now that I got my man Dan on here and we're drinking some Miller Lite. <laughs> we got some uh, fireballs, too. Yeah, what are we going to do with those? Yeah, we're going to hit those in just a minute. All right. Fireball shot. Me and you'll hear. Just what I needed. I just can't do fireball. I'm sorry. I'm not a fireball guy either. but memories and things, and I'm no. You know why me and Dan are going to be okay? Because we have our game changer You do have your game changer patches on. Um, so promo code Rebel Grove twenty at checkout. By the way, twenty percent <laughs> off your uh, purchase at uh, GameChangerPatch.com. So, I want to see how I feel tomorrow at this time. We got to use your got to use your, uh, you got, you got your overtime patch. Okay, it's a combination. Oh, I'm definitely going into overtime. <laughs> yeah, well, you'll need so, it. <laughs> so Neil, um, in 2012, our first year here, yeah, at Ole Miss. You know, that's the first time I got a chance to really meet Dan, work with Dan. Uh, I learned. You know how you don't teach an old dog new tricks kind of deal? I learned more about quarterback play and from Dan because he, he, he had the uh, patience to stick around my, my dumb ass and, and talk me through some things. Uh, but, you know, I get accused of a lot of things at Alabama, right? So this guy named Dan Werner sat next to me in the press box, and I just wanted everybody to know since Dan was here that I, I stole signals for Ole Miss in 2012 in the, in the press box uh, with a headset on. I just thought I'd throw that out there. And, Next day. Did you use binoculars? I uh, didn't have to. Okay. Yeah, didn't have to. It was a little closer view back then. Matter of fact, the all. I don't so know you're trying mean, to make up for? No, I just people think, <laughs> people think I just went. People think that, that I was just uniquely doing that when I did the job at the at Ole Miss the year before, right? And so, do you remember uh, we won? We beat Auburn on Jeff Scott play when Jeff. Uh, was our first conference win, I think, at Ole Miss in 2012. Oh, I do remember that play. Yeah. Where he thought he was down and he kept running. I yeah. the play. It was empty and it was uh, we, it was 59 and Jeff was the check down coming across the middle. And uh, Dan gave me a very unique perspective on four verticals. We're going to get football geeky on you right here, Neil. So okay. <laughs> he said, you know what, on four verticals, the most explosive play on four verticals is not throwing the ball downfield, it's hitting a check down. And he goes, because everybody gets out of there, you can get the check down, and the guy's got all room to work. So we were in, and went empty, and Jeff, we lined him up at receiver, and we and we checked him down. And he spun out, spun out, spins out a play. Um, on that particular play, I, I stole the coverage and told the coverage to Dan before he called the play. I just thought, I just thought I'd throw that out there. But nobody. But so the whole W the is because of Tyler Siski. Yeah, right. I stole the signal for Ole Miss to score the winning touchdown on the on. But hey. Well, look. If just so happened, happened that Jeff caught it, he got tackled, got up and scored. That doesn't have anything to do with it. Would have called 59Z if it, or 50, well, it was T at the time. 59T if wasn't gonna get 3D. <laughs> Thank God. There, well, we probably would have got fired. some history right now. We probably would have got fired if we'd lost that game, and I'd be living in a shack <laughs> we somewhere. We would have got fired in front of 
first year. I'm just kidding, obviously. All right, that so- was that was not the best team you ever coached. <laughs> <laughs> no. But it was one of the one of the best coaching jobs ever. I, I have said this so many times to people. People are like you've seen you've seen really good teams, you've seen terrible teams. I'm like, yep. What's the best coaching job I've ever seen over the course of a season as a whole staff? I swear I think it's that one. There weren't players on that team. And when you guys got there, and I, I give I give Hugh a t I've always given Hugh a ton of credit for this. At the end of that twenty eleven season, those kids hated football. They hated that building. They hated everything about it. They'd gone through a two and ten season where they should, probably should have been one and eleven. Most of the hmm. losses were blowouts. Louisiana yeah. Tech, they got crushed by Louisiana Tech. Tech, cru- Tech crushed them. Everybody crushed them. Like yeah. the LSU game was fifty nine to three. The Alabama game was like sixty six. Isn't that the one that LSU was taking a knee like in the yeah. third quarter? Yeah, <laughs> LSU's. I didn't know that. It wasn't Maybe third, not third quarter, it was, but, but it was like five minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and LSU's taking a knee at the two yard line. Yeah, it was because I, I, I mean I've told this story before. I watched with my binoculars. I watched Nick Saban on the sideline in 2011, and he's yelling at his offensive coordinator. Is that the first time that's ever happened? No, no. Okay. Just check. But it was the first time that he's <laughs> he yelling. It's the first no. time he was. It's the first time I ever saw saw him yell at an offensive coordinator because they were doing well. Right. And he's like, "What are we doing?" You could tell him, and I could see the coordinator saying, "Coach, we're running the same play over and over. <laughs> we're trying not to score." And it's kind of like you could almost see Saban go, "Well, we're then run something different." Yeah. And he's like, "I." Everything we do works because they're not trying to stop us anymore. They're just done. And my point was when you guys got there, not only did you inherit a team that physically didn't have enough SEC dudes. We had one and a half. But mentally. Who was the one? Uh, Dante. Dante Dante was a great player. But mentally you had a bunch of guys. And Dante was one of the guys mentally because Dante was pretty checked out by the end of 2011. I mean, he was very despondent. You had a bunch. The job you guys did with that team to get that team to play as hard as it did and to find ways to beat some teams yeah. and ultimately go to a bowl game was an incredible. Well, here's, uh, here's my Dante story. So I agree with you. We Spring ball, I you saw it. I, I'm like, what are we doing here? We, the, these guys are SEC players, and I didn't see anybody that – and guys started coming on. And it was, again, because Hugh did, a, Hugh did a great job and uh, guys started playing harder. But I – my thing is I always want to find a receiver that I know that's my guy. And I didn't I didn't see one. And in the spring game, Dante made about three or four plays. I went, okay. And you could tell, like you said, that it was like they didn't even want to play. Now, it ended up we had some really good plays. Vince was a great player. and uh, But Dante stepped it up. And that was – so that next year, that was our plan is we got to get the ball to Dante. And the rest is history. He had a great year. And, He's pretty good. Yeah. All right, so did well in the in the NFL. All right, so but here's here's the other thing about that. Back to your point. I can't remember. I think it was after our first two years there. I saw a stat of NF, and this is how I know what kind of talent you have on your team is who gets drafted. Of I mean, course, that's, sure. That's, that's the easy way sure. to tell. So there was other than Vanderbilt. I think we had like three guys drafted in three years. Our first 2012, 13, 14. Three guys drafted. That's what we inherited. Who got drafted off the 12 team? Well, no, I'm maybe none. 
But I, I'm saying it was like two or three in three years. I mean, and know, the, and only that. Vanderbilt had less. Everybody, you know, everybody else had, you know, Alabama had 27 of guys drafted. Yeah. We had three. And we're playing against them. And, you know, 15 and 16, we're, we're beat. Or what was it? 15, we beat them. 14, 14 and 15. And 15 we yeah, beat. Yeah. So after the 14 season, we now we, we were playing with a bunch of young guys, obviously. They end up, we had some talent then, but they were all young. But it, it's just amazing what what happened in those first couple of years. The fact that we had a winning record every year with a couple of NFL players on our team in the, in the SEC West. It was remarkable, yeah. I give you credit for the greatest uh, <laughs> saying of all time. I've said it on this podcast. I've got many of those, by the way. Is, a lot of them we can't say on there. Yes. Um, one of them is, is I remember we lose the Texas a game. To Johnny Menzel. Yeah. And you said, it's like, hey, it's all right. He goes, look, this is we got this thing setting up perfectly. He goes, here's what we need to do. You said, we need to go, we need to be five and six going into the Egg Bowl. And we need to win the Egg Bowl to go six and six. And then the next year, we need to go seven and five. And then we need to go eight and four. And then we need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so I, that's, that is one thing that I always, uh, I, I've said it on here before, that was one of the best best things of all time. And that's 100% true that I made that statement. <laughs> but here's the thing. We went – so we won six games, then won the bowl. So we won seven, seven games yeah. the first year. Next year won eight. Mm-hmm. Next year nine. Win the Sugar Bowl, which the last time – I don't know if you realize this. The last time Ole Miss won the Sugar Bowl was Archie Manning was the quarterback. Oh, I've heard of that guy. Uh, so win ten games, win the Sugar Bowl. I went out to the golf course like that spring – and I'm out hitting balls on on the driving range, and a guy comes up and says, "I can't wait till next year. You guys are going to be better." I said, "Really?" So we just <laughs> lost Laramie Tunsil, Laquan Treadwell, the greatest draft in the history of Ole Miss. Yeah, three first round picks. In, in my mind, that'll never happen in my lifetime. What what we did draft wise. So obviously we lost a lot of talent. I said, so how do you figure we're going to be better next year when we lost all these great players? How does that work? I I want to know. And he said, no, no, I'm telling you, you're going to be better. Well, we ended up not doing so well. Chad Kelly got hurt in the ninth game or whatever yeah. it was. Uh, we ended up losing the last couple of games, and I get fired. It's people like that that get people like me fired. <laughs> this guy at the golf course. He's got all the answers. <laughs> but we did, we, we did get to the 10 wins. Did you, did you get we should have gone nine about three years in a row. That, that would have been better. All right, so you know the other thing that Dan and I have – we're, we're bonded. Um, so in 2019, uh, Dan gives me a call. Dan says, dude, I, I just I just got fired. I was like, oh. And about three hours later, we got fired. So we, we got fired on the same day last time we got fired. So that was, was a bonding experience. Hold on. Let me tell you that. So that story, uh, I get fired at South Carolina. I had a year left on my contract. So that's a win. Because I <laughs> – well, anyway, so – I called my wife and said, look, I'm, I'm coming home. Uh, you know, we just got fired, but we're going to get paid for the next year, so we'll, we're going to have some fun and whatever. So I called Matt Luke, who's one of my best friends, and we had talked many times about coming back to Ole Miss and everything. I said, look, I'm done, so I'll come back. I'm moving back to Oxford anyway. Uh, if you need me to, you know, if your OC leaves and you want me to be the OC, I'll do that. If you want me to be an analyst, whatever, I want to help you. He said, okay, well, you're hired. Whatever it is, you're hired. Let me go talk to the AD. 
This is on Sunday after we lost to Clemson. And they had lost lost a state on Thursday. Yes. I heard. And <laughs> so obviously we we all know that what happened there. But so at that point, everybody said was Matt Matt was coming back. Yes. So Matt had hired me basically. We didn't know what, what position, but I was gonna come back to Oxford and work for for this Ole Miss. Breaking news. I don't think I've ever told this in the podcast, by the way. Yeah. So uh he said, Well, I have to go out recruiting and then you know I'll I'm going to talk to the AD and then go recruiting. I'll call you tonight. We'll come up with a plan. I said, okay. So he calls me about an hour later. He was supposed to call me that night. He calls me an hour later. said, well, that didn't go well. <laughs> I said, well, what do you mean? I, you know, I, I know uh, the AD, obviously, and I thought we were friends. And I thought, you know, what, he doesn't want me to come back? He said, no. Uh, apparently the chancellor doesn't want me to come back. <laughs> I said, okay, well. Let me know how it goes. So he calls me, whatever, a few hours later and said, yeah, I just got fired. So basically, I got fired two times yeah. in one day. That's impressive. You got fired twice in one day. Yeah. Well, I've at least fired in South Carolina, you had a, another year at Ole Miss. You didn't even have a contract to fall on. Well. You, know, you should have gotten that thing done. And, yeah. <laughs> you, called, you called. We were getting on the plane. or getting. We were, had just landed when you called in Birmingham when you called that morning. I was like, mother. I was like, dang. And then by the time we got he called talk to you before that, you know, yeah. and all that stuff. But. Yeah, that was fun. We were sitting at full moon barbecue. Got the old <laughs> tap on the window. Hey, it's going to go. Yeah. And then I talked to Neil. That was fun. Yeah. Well, I was, was I was trying to be my friend and be a journalist at the same time. Which was hard. Because Tyler <laughs> – I felt bad for him. I got fired, and I felt bad for Neil because he was trying to be a journalist and a friend at the same time, and he didn't know what to do. I didn't. And I talked well, – the part I remember about that day was I said to you, I said, we had talked all weekend. And on Saturday, I was concerned that they were getting fired. And by Sunday, midday, I remember thinking, no, they're, they're okay. And I talked to Tyler, and he said, hey, we're, we got the clearance to go recruit. We're hitting the road. And I was like, awesome. Because I didn't want to have to fool with it. Number one, I liked those guys. I didn't, I didn't want them to go. But two, I didn't want to work that day. I was like, Awesome. <laughs> I went to the gym, and I was at the gym 30 minutes, and my phone starts lighting up, and I'm like, oh, son of a bitch. What's going on? You know, and I, and I call Tyler. I'm like, are y'all okay? And he's like, yeah, to my knowledge. And then What little, time was that? About 2, 2.30. 2 yeah, so we were good at 11 because I shook the guy's hand that was supposed to fire us, and he was like, hey, y'all finish strong. We're going to have a good team. And then it was about 4.30, and I called, and I said, hey uh, – I'm hearing some stuff. Are y'all okay? And Tyler was like, basically, we just got fired. Can you wait until we get back? And it was the worst part of it because obviously we're friends. Right. But and you want to be able to tell your family. and Yeah. Well, no, we were told. I don't know if you know this or not. And I've told Neil a thousand times, so I apologize. But why I'm pissed off about it. Not that we got fired. I'm pissed off to this day. I'd like to throw there, – there's a particular person that I would like to throw punch. <laughs> throw punch? Yes. Fucking <laughs> karate chop him right in the fucking Adam's apple. Because the person told me verbatim, hey, we're going to give you 30 – we're going to let you get home and tell your family before it comes out on social media. Also, we, had, we were on the road, okay? So we had coaches in houses that we needed to get off the road. Right. Because at 11 o'clock – 
the same person told us that we were good for another, at least another year that we needed to win. And so from, we knew that we needed to win, but we had yeah, another year. Sure. So what changed in three and a half hours? Well, hell, I know the freaking checkbook. Changed. Money changed, right? All right, but I get that. But don't tell me that I'm getting, I'm going to be able to go home because I would have called my wife. You know what I'm saying? But that, sure. That's where I'm pissed. Well, that's why I told you that that afternoon when you said, "Hey." We're trying to get back, and I said to you, I said, Tyler, well, you're, you're going to make when it. You call me, when you called me, I had literally just got off the phone with this person. Yeah. All right? And I was told, hey, we're, look, we're going to let you get home. And I was making phone calls, too, trying to get people out of living rooms. Okay? Uh, Peeler, and, uh, Peeler and Big Nail, now, I'm pissed. Peeler and Big Nail are sitting in Eli Acker's house. Okay? Like doing a home visit. And when the they, news breaks. When they find and they out. they don't know anything about it. That's bad ball, man. Well, that's bad ball. And that's what I told you that day. He said, he said, can you hold it? And I said, here's the thing. If I know it. I mean, Everybody else does. I mean, I think I'm a good journalist, but I, I'm not that good. If, yeah. I, if I know it, either other people know it or they're about to know it. Right. And I got I to win too, right? So I was like. I just don't I, understand. I, I can't urgency. hold it. I never understood the urgency of. Because I know how it gets out, right? I know, how, sure. I know how the process works. I mean, if you're going to tell me, because the information gets out from that person that called me. I know how shit gets out. Let's see my first rodeo. So I'm still to this day pissed off about that. And I would like to just fucking karate chop the shit out of that. <laughs> like, this, this, just, this portion of the show brought to you by Miller Lite. Miller Lite. <laughs> Tastes great. And Fireball. Less filling. We hadn't cracked a fire, Fireball. It's yet. a fine Pilsner beer. Yeah, but, but <laughs> that legitly pisses me off. And I don't know. I just, if you tell, like, I'm, look, I'm an asshole, and I know that, but I'm a good-hearted asshole, all right? I'm a good-hearted <laughs> asshole. And to, to people who think I'm an asshole, I don't like average people. So if people think I'm an asshole, then that means I probably think you're pretty average. And so to lie to me dead to my face, just dead to my face, just straight-up lie to me, that, that's, I mean, that pisses me off. Best player you ever coached? Ooh. That's a really hard question. I know it is. Uh, I've been blessed to obviously coach a lot of great players, but, I mean, you talk about Michael Irvin. Uh, Michael Irvin, by the way, if somebody said right now you have to, you have to go in a fight, God forbid, because w- I'm going to lose no matter who I fight now. <laughs> I'm but, with you. I'm running, yeah. Uh, but if, you, if they said you can pick one person you ever coached, it would be Michael Irvin. Michael Irvin would beat up every defensive lineman, every offensive lineman I've ever coached. There's no doubt in my mind. Michael Irvin the, versus Mario Cristobal. Michael would win. I love Mario. Don't get me wrong. And, and I think he's going to do great things at Miami. I hate what happened this year, but he's going he's gonna to get turned around. But Michael Irvin is the most competitive, athletic person I've ever met in my life. All right, so Michael Irvin's on the short list. Who else is in that? If you can't name one, and I get it. Who are the handful that if you had if, if someone said no you have to do one who would be the people that you'd put on your list to sit there and debate? Uh, again, there's so many. It's here's here's one just out of the blue for Ole Miss people. Greg Hardy, remember Greg Hardy? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, hey, you know he was been doing UFC. Yeah, he's he's out, but he's been doing. Uh, I don't know if I should say this, but he's crazier than a shit house rat. <laughs> but. This dude, he could have played on any of those Miami defensive lines. 
I mean, the fact that he was as good as he was at defensive line, played basketball in the SEC, and played. Uh, and as a UFC heavyweight contender at the same time. And so the story about him was he played tight end, I think, in high school. Yeah. You know, Hugh Freeze coached him. Hugh Freeze coaching Briar Crest Christian had <laughs> Greg Hardy and Michael Orr. On his team. It's, it's just because they were naturally going to that school that he coached. He didn't, right, right. He did not no. have anything to do with Give that some thought, some thought. Well, and Sandra so, Bullock really helped a lot, too, <laughs> if you think about it. So, one day, somebody said that he was a tight end in, in high school. And we were terrible. This is when I was coaching with the Orgeron. And so, I, I took a football and I said, hey, Greg, I took the ball and threw it as hard as I could, which I can't throw that hard, but I threw it as hard as I could, and he just snagged it with one hand. So, I went to Orgeron and I said, hey, this guy is like a freak, man. We need to put him on offense and just try it in practice. And he said, yeah, at that point it was like whatever. You know, we were whatever, three and whatever at the time. So we we go to set red zone seven on seven, which is, for those who don't know, it's no, no lines, just throwing the ball. Skeleton stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I said, I went to – I put Hardy at the wide, wide receiver over on the left – and I told the defense, we're throwing him a fade. You guys do whatever you have to do. Double team, whatever you got to do. I just want to see what he would do. So the quarterback throws it up there. He jumps up like a basketball player, like boxes him out like a rebound, jumps up and catches the ball. I said, okay, come on over this side. So, and one of them was Tremaine McBride, yeah. who played in the NFL. Yeah. He's a corner trying to cover him, and he just not even close. So I put him on the other side. Uh, same deal, they double him, throw it up. Same thing, he jumps up and catches it. So I, and Orgeron saw it. I said, when we get down in the red zone, we're going to put him in. He said, that's fine. Go ahead. So third and 20 against State, last game of the season, third and 20. It was like first and goal, you know, at the four or something. And we, penalties, whatever, sack. So, <laughs> of course, you got to go find him on the sideline. Who knows what he's doing on the sideline, this guy. <laughs> so we get him and he, he gets in. Throws a fade versus cover two. Tampa two. Safety's over the top. The corner's right there. Jump. Touchdown. That was it. On third and 20, like our, I think it was our first drive. So I was like, well, every time we get in the red zone, Greg, be ready. Yeah. He doesn't know what the red zone means probably. <laughs> but so we get it again. Brent Schaefer's our quarterback. Same type situation. I said, put him in there. Let's go, man. Brent throws that out of bounds. I said, all we got to do is get it in bounds somewhere. He, he's going to jump up and catch it. And he just kept throwing out. So I put Seth, Seth Adams in, right. walk-on quarterback. I've been laughing over here thinking, can you tell the story? Um, oh, first of all, I'm going to ask you, can you tell the story um, about Ed Orgeron and you playing golf in the golf tournament and uh, when he drove by and you were at the tee box? Can you tell that story? <laughs> That's one of the low moments of my life, by the way. <laughs> this is my favorite story that you've ever told. So, I'll, some fireballs start this one off? <laughs> yes, I, I'm going to have to do a fireball. Come on, let's do a shot. Right, let's do a shot. You want one, Neil? I, I do not. I'm huh? good. This is the first fireball I've done maybe in my life, by the way. Neil. Oh, well. Hey, Neil, just so you know, it's 10.08 in the morning. Yeah, I'm aware. <laughs> I can't even watch people mm. do fireball. Are you serious? It's like cough syrup. Oh, it's yeah, awful. It's, it's, it's awful. It's yeah. really the easiest There's nothing good there about that. 
Well, the easiest shot is like bourbon or or a lemon. That, so that, if that was vodka that's like or something. Big red. That's salt. Anyway, all right. So here's the story. So I love to play golf. I'm a decent golfer. At the time, I've heard you're a little better at, than at our for at our country club. There I was. I did beat him the last time I played. I just want to go. On oh wow! But he had that's a that's a second lowest moment in my life. By the way, <laughs> maybe first. In fact, I just jumped to first. Uh, so I'm playing in this tournament and at that time the country club had just opened. So there's hardly any members. And so I'm after the two day or after the first day of the member or the, uh, club championship, I'm in tied for second place. So the way they do it, just like in a pro tournament, you know, the, all the guys who are not doing that good, they tee off first. So the last group tees off is yeah, us. Sure. So. We get to, I was like three shots behind the, the, the leader. So I go par, par, birdie, number three, get to number four. The tee box is up about 100 yards from Ed Orgeron's house. And it's Sunday, the last day of our vacation, because, you know, as a coach, you get about three weeks in the summer, and then you go back, and then I always tell people it's like going to prison because <laughs> you don't see your family. You never get to do anything. You, you're – literally every single day Football. in the office all day long, yeah. you know, 16 hours a day. So that's my last day off. And we get to the tee box and it's a tough par five with out of bounds on both sides. And guys are, we're watching, there's like 45 minute wait because guys are hitting it out of bounds. They got to re tee. They got to come back, taking forever. And I'm on a roll. Like, man, I got a shot here. I got a chance to win this damn thing. And, Finally, I'm getting ready to tee off, and here comes Orgeron and his Hummer going to his house. And he looks at me, and he sees me. We're, you know, 30 yards apart, and he sees me, and he just gives me this dirty look like, what are you doing playing golf? We're starting football tomorrow. You should be home watching film or something. You know, just give him the worst look. And I waited for 45 minutes to tee off. I see him, and it's just like, okay. So I hit my shot, and it it hooks a little bit and i'm like well that's that might be out of bounds which is you know a bad deal obviously the pro was standing there and said no that's in he said you might want to hit another one just in case i said all right so i hit another one that one's definitely out of bounds <laughs> so i i pulled down there they had actually moved the out of bounds stakes for this tournament in or out no in 3 yards my ball is out of bounds by 6 inches so now I got to make the drive of shame, drive back, <laughs> drive of shame, hit it yeah. again. So I'm already one in, two out, three in, four out, hitting five on this par five, which is a hard, the hardest par five four? on the course. Yeah. yeah. So long story short, I take a 13 on the hole. <laughs> 13. So obviously the tournament was over. You by did then. not win the tournament. At that I would enough. at that point I'm hoping for rain and lightning and right. you know coming tied for second, but. I came in twentieth or whatever. Can I get the impersonation of the, of the look he gave you? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's my guy. Now Ed and I, you know, we're roommates when we're young coaches. So here's another. So <laughs> God. when I went to Miami in 1987, you know, GAs, you live in the dorms, which in Miami the dorms were two bedroom apartments. So my roommate was Tommy Tuberville. That's 87. He, Senator? 
Senator Tubb. <laughs> so he moves out after that year, and Ed Orgeron moves in. So those are my two roommates. Who would have thought both of them would be the head coach at Ole Miss? And by the way, personalities, there's no way you could get two people farther apart than Ed and Tommy. Both great guys, great coaches, obviously, uh, but totally different people. Yeah, I would think so. Have you talked to Senator since he's become Senator? <laughs> I think we traded texts every now and then. That's great. My man, Dan. That was fun. All right, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it there. We got to get to the Vegas Bowl. Uh, Cole and I need to go put a little money on the Beavers here in the next hour and ten minutes. So uh, <laughs> why didn't you just bet against each other to save the juice? Oh, that's, that's a good, a good point. point. We could have done that. Hey, real quick, you want to tell everybody why you're here, Jack? Oh yeah. So uh, they're probably wondering why the hell is Dan Warner in Vegas with these two assholes. Well, I love Vegas first of all. <laughs> that's, but uh, I was sitting down in my man cave watching. TV or whatever, and I get a thing that says the starting quarterback for Florida has decided to go pro. He's not going to play in the game. The backup had gotten in some issues. Well, the third teamer is a kid that I tried to recruit. His mom and sister both went to Ole Miss, yep. so I've known the kid since he was like in eighth grade. He came to our camp. Uh, I tried to recruit him when I was at Ole Miss. Then when I went to South Carolina, he ended up signing with Ohio okay. State. Uh, got beat out by C.J. Stroud, who is going to be a top five draft pick probably. You like him, huh? You like C.J. Stroud? I don't. I don't. Even, I really only almost watch SEC football, so I don't even watch him enough to know. But uh, anyway, so I I see, you know, this guy broke his thumb in preseason practice. He's done for the year. So I called his dad and said, "Hey, what's going on? They they don't have a quarterback. What's going to happen?" He said, they just told him he's starting. So Jack is starting in the game. And I, I said, well, I love Vegas. I want to go see Jack. So I'm going to go watch him play. And hopefully he does great. You didn't know that you were going to come out here and hang out with us? No, I had no idea. But this has been the most fun. Yeah. How about that? Normally we, normally we hear about nothing but regrets. That's good. That's good. <laughs> like I could, I, we could really go since the, the alcohol is flowing, we could really get into this and make this maybe the best pod ever. Yeah, we do have a game to go to. Again, a couple I, more shots, and it could get really fun. Just shots of something besides that. <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, Seriously, have you ever We're, tried it though? Yes. You have tried it. Yes. I, I'm, okay, if you tried it, I'm good. But it's it's literally, in my opinion, which will buy you a cup of coffee the next time you drive through. Not it's in the Vegas, it won't. Shot. I could drink this a whole bottle. It doesn't even taste like alcohol. It tastes like Big Red. Well, that's that's what I'm saying. I I think if you're going to do a shot, it should taste like. Alcohol. Hey, I would rather do a tequila shot or a vodka exactly. shot. Or, or I'm with you. Yeah, I'm just that's just me. Hey, I got. I do have. Well, I know we got to get going, but the that's my man Dan. So, question: You're the quarterbacks coach at at whatever you. How would you handle if somebody was tampering with your quarterback and you knew them? What would you do? <laughs> like, let's say, let's say I'm not gonna say me, but say somebody you knew was tampering with your starting quarterback. What would you do? Uh, I thought about this a lot. There would be a phone call, obviously. Yeah. But you can imagine. <laughs> Let's put it that. You can imagine what the conversation would be like. This is. But, uh, and here's the thing for me. It's ruining a lot of friendships, by the way. I'm sure. But it's it's a business, so you have to do it. And I was never good at that, that kind of stuff. I mean, if I. Which part? Good at what part? Being. The confrontation not, part? No. 
not well, not being a good person. Gotcha. And, and to me, that's not being a good person. Well, like, give me an example. I can't imagine call, calling one of my friends quarterbacks and working behind my friend's back. I can't imagine doing that. And that's why I, I'm with you, dude. Sam Pittman I, I, at Arkansas publicly said, I think the last couple of days, that he didn't really like taking people's players out of the – something – Basically referring to tampering. He doesn't like to tamper with other people's players. Yeah. If a guy's in the portal, obviously I'd be all in. But to to call a kid who's not in the portal yet or call his coach and say, hey, by the way, if he wants to get in, uh, I can't see myself doing that. And that, that would be my downfall because, well, let's be honest, there's a lot of scumbags in this. It. It's, <laughs> well, it, it, what my point was is that Pittman is starting to get a lot of heat from Arkansas fans about, hey, you Dude, need to be a scumbag. <laughs> you're going to have to be more cutthroat. Yeah. And and so you already see what's happening with them. They have all these kids going into the portal. They're not doing all that well in recruiting the portal. They just went 6 and 6 going into their bowl game. I mean, he's gone from top of the world to hot seat in 12 months. Is and he some really on the hot seat though. Going in the next season, absolutely. You see this, man. Oh, I get it, though. But they, we they we do this we, we have If Arkansas goes 6 and 6, they should throw a party for I, Sam Pittman. Right. But my point, guys, is Build this. Build statues. My point, guys, is this. You know how this works. No, I do. But, you, but hold on, hold on, hold on. You know how this works. You have, you have the rational, and then you have the emotional. And in this preseason... In what the, are the percentages? Rational and emotional. So, preseason? No, not... Okay. I'm just saying a fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so, saying so rational so there's is 1%. There's a calendar. There's a calendar on rational and, and emotional. And, like, if you're in May, June, July, the rational is 50 60%. When the season comes and the L's come in real life, because the L on paper is like, well, you know, I, I get why we would lose that game. The L in real life, when you went to the game, you're like, all pissed off. The rational goes from 60 to about two. Right. And that's why the firings happen. And that's why a guy like Sam Pittman, who's has done as well as he's done at Arkansas, I'm just telling you, I'm telling you now. So we're So we're on the record on this. If next season goes badly, there's gonna be real pressure. Real pressure on their administration and boosters and such to go, this didn't work next. Can I can I go on the record too? Sure. If you are the Arkansas administration listening to this podcast not quick you clients by the way so <laughs> and you fire sam Pittman, you are an absolutely fucking moron the guy is a stud he can't get any better for them just give the guy let him let him coach for a thousand years uh, i'm not arguing i mean i like, like that, i like everything about what i, I see know, there I I, i'm just i'm just simply saying i understand you don't call the hogs for us over here no no thanks <laughs> um but here if i mean if they go two and ten I understand, Correct. but if you go six and six, and in you say that's that's a ba- SEC, that's yeah. a bad year, okay, let's go, let's let's see next year. I mean, how is Sam Pittman going to recruit better players than? I don't know. Ever <laughs> Count them off. Right. Everybody, A&M. everybody in the LSU, SEC West. LSU, Auburn, LSU, for sure. Uh, Auburn, Ole Miss, State. And you're about to add Texas. Yeah. Do they even know how they're doing those? They're not going to do divisions. They're just going to have a, a okay. league. So, you've got this 16-team league. That's what's going to happen? Yeah, yeah. For oh, sure. I didn't know that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> what do you think about that, Dan? <laughs> so, everybody plays everybody. Yeah, they're going to, what they're going to do. It's uh, actually a really good idea. It's, they're going to play a nine-game, a nine-game, nine-league game season. You'll have 
three, three out of conference. Three permanent SEC opponents, and then you'll rotate the others. So you'll never go more than four years without playing whoever. I think that's good. Which is good. The people that have those three that you have to play every year, that's crucial. Yeah. Because if you happen to have to play LSU, <laughs> Alabama, and Auburn, or yeah, right. you know, every it's year, tough. that's – and they'll make sure that the – the good ones have the easy schedule, I'm sure. And so, like, I guess Arkansas's would be Missouri. It's it's Missouri, Texas, and somebody. A and M. Okay. They already know. I I think it's kind of unofficially that everybody yeah. sort of generally. Ole Miss is is uh, it's Vanderbilt, LSU, and State. Hey, before we go. <laughs> that's, hey, before we. Go that's a win. That's a huge W. Yeah. Before we go, and since we've been drinking, do you have any alleged? This is allegedly but stories that you may have heard some at some point in time. Just alleged stories that you may have heard from other people. Crazy like recruiting stories or anything you want to go over. Just alleged. <laughs> not that they ever happened. Just like fairy tales that may or may not have happened with somebody. Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right. You don't well, want, I mean, the, the statute of limitations, you don't want to. You don't no, want to, I'm, I'm not. Never. And. I will say this, and this is you know this to be true. I do not. That's allegedly. When stuff would go on, everybody knew, keep Dan out of it. He doesn't want to know, and I always told people, I don't know what's going on. I'm not stupid, but I don't want to know. And I never was involved in anything. I can go to the grave with this. Never involved with anything that. Well, I'm just saying. I can go to my grave knowing that. I wasn't involved in that kind of stuff. That's all right. I'm just bullshitting. I ain't going to say shit either. But what about you? Huh? What about me? <laughs> what, what? You probably have some. I don't know. Either. Look, I'm the cl- look. there's a reason. Oh, please. Oh, stop it. Hey, For the love of God. No, we're, hey, we're, we're not going to sit here and just hey, lie to these yeah. people. It's time to go. Hey, there's a reason that they interviewed 795 people. You never saw your boy's name go across the bottom of a ticker. <laughs> now, did you? Mine either. My, you're eight. Hey. Sometimes you got to be smarter than the system there, Neil. That's true. <laughs> Speaking of, we're going to wrap it there. Our, uh, our thanks to the people at Rain Total Body Fuel, as Hello always, again, for, uh, for everything that they do for us, including uh, making this trip to uh, Vegas possible. We're about to go see uh, Florida, Oregon State, and the uh, Las Vegas Bowl. I think we're going to see some hockey tonight. Who knows what else we might do. But, again, our thanks to the people at uh, Rain. Also, our thanks to Walk On Sports Bistro for uh, sponsoring this show. If you're in Oxford, if you're in Ridgeland, Stop by walk-ons today. Check out the bowl games, whatever the case may be. Grab you a drink, a appetizer, great meal there at walk-ons. Sports Bistro. We're got doing our get, thank God Tyler's got his game changer patches going, and uh, we'll. I don't know what the schedule is for tomorrow. Are we, are we certain on what we're doing tomorrow? <laughs> no idea. Dude. We'll let you know. We'll keep you up to date, and then we're headed headed to Boise on Monday to freeze our asses off and to uh, give you a show from Boise. Who's doing the no shirt? Me. <laughs> On uh, on Monday in in uh, in Boise. Thank so, God it's you and not you know, no doubt Tyler. By the no way, doubt. so for uh, for I think you know what I'm trying to say. I, I think we all we saw that <laughs> angle, Tyler. Yeah. That angle was. Brennan, by the way, Brennan sent me a fucking uh, tweet or a picture with. Uh, he said I had a bad angle on either. He's Brennan has inspired me. I got to get my ass in the gym, so I got to get back right. Let's have a few beers and we'll figure that out. <laughs> so for uh, Dan Werner, for Tyler Siski, I'm Neil McCready. That does it for this edition of McCready and Siski, powered by Rain Total Body Fuel. See you next time. Take care.
everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.